Hi, we are Inspired Churches and we are honored for you to tune in. We are a church that is being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and walking in rhythms of life for the good of the city and for the glory of God. As we walk into a new year, we invite you to be part of the ministry by donating a gift today. Go ahead and visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, family. Um, we did it. So this is the fifth time we're going to say this, but today is our last day of the Summer in the Psalm series. And every time this year, when that happens, there's <clears throat> it means two things. One, summer is officially over. So the kids are back in school. Summer's over. And also, secondly, the church picnic is right around the corner. So I hope you guys are all planning on coming. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys, relaxing, um, and just enjoying our time together. And so with this being our last Sunday um, in the Psalms, this is the last time you're going to hear us say this. We've said it week in and week out with our hope that it would stick to your hearts. And it's uh, that the summer of the Psalms has been about immersing inspire in the Psalter, right? And so my favorite illustration of Inspire's effort to make this happen, um, it's related to two of my favorite breakfast dishes. I actually, so I have a lot, but I'm, I'm, for the sake of this illustration, there's only two. So the first one is biscuits and gravy, and the second is chicken fried steak. Um, eggs, eggs Benedict is top three, but it didn't make this. And so if you are, if you are like me, um, your biscuit has to be covered and your steak has to be smothered, right? And if it isn't, you're waiting for that extra cup until you dig into your plate. And so just like my breakfast gravies, we've attempted to cover as many areas of your life with the Psalms. And we've had two goals in mind that... Uh, we would allow the Psalms to teach us how to talk to God, yeah. and that we would allow the Psalms to teach us how to embrace every single human emotion that we experience in this life. So with that, I'm going to read today's text, I'm going to, then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into it. Um, I think this is the first time ever, so the song, the song we just read and sang is the Psalm of today. So... You're going to get a double dose this morning. All right. So it starts in verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by a ten-stringed instrument, a harp, and the melody of a lyre. You thrill me. Lord, with all that you have done for me, I sing for joy because of what you have done. O oh Lord, what great works you do, and how deep are your thoughts. Only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. 
all evildoers will be scattered. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruits. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock and there is no evil in him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning and we thank you for your word this morning. Pray that your Holy Spirit would move in each of our hearts as we lean into Psalm 92 this morning. And as we learn that you are worthy of praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So real, some real quick observations about the psalm. First thing is the psalm was created for the Sabbath day. So this just proves that worthy praise should be a part of the Sabbath service. This psalm shows it's right to remember the mercies of God and to celebrate them loudly and together. See, the goal of the psalm is not just to hear the psalmist's story, to hear the reason why he praises, but that our praise would be deepened as well. Today, today, my goal is to walk us through this psalm by looking at, th- excuse me, looking through three lenses. I want us to see the psalmist's story, his song, and a lesson for us to, for us to remember. So let's jump in. Lens one, verses six through eleven say this: Only for a only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. All evildoers will be scattered. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. See, verses 6 through 11 they give, they give us a glimpse of the psalmist's story and what he experienced. But the essential truth of this section is this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies will surely perish and evildoers will be scattered. See, the psalmist was looking around, comparing himself to others, And realized that wicked people around him were better off than he was. They were flourishing. They were doing well. They were succeeding. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. Have you ever looked around and wondered why Lisa the liar, (laughs) Steve the stealer, Chris the cheater with a C, (laughs) or Victor the violent? Seem to be doing better than you right, right, while you are trying to do things right. God's way. Yeah, that's 
Or how about this? Sarah the Stingy just got a new Tesla, but you are struggling financially while being a faithful tither. What about Harry the Heathen? <laughs> he just got a girlfriend, but you remain single while trying to date in a way that honors God. Eric the Evil, he just took his family to Hawaii. But you, a follower of Christ, are saving up to fix your minivan. See, this is the situation the psalmist found himself in. But the reality is that their season is only temporary, and God will be exalted forever. See, just like weeds, the, the wicked and evildoers may, leak, may look like they are thriving. But the truth is... Their roots are shallow, and they die off quickly in the presence of the hot sun, and ultimately they will be scattered in the wind. And so with eternity in mind, the psalmist remembered and is reminding us today that the wicked eventually perish and receive their wrath, but God, God's forevermore. So he will continue on with all of his greatness all of his glory Thank you, and all of his majesty yeah. while others rise and fall Jesus or Jesus God remains exalted so here's what I want you to remember for lens number one <clears throat> if God is eternal and exalted forever then his people can trust that this season is only temporary that the wicked won't last forever. And ultimately, if God wins, so does his people. Okay. You know, every year <clears throat> we go camping with our family. And uh, one of the traditions that we do every single year faithfully is that we play this board game called Risk. And the object of this game is to conquer the entire map uh, by being lucky at rolling dice, growing your army, and being strategic. <clears throat> now, this game often takes several hours to finish, so there is a level of commitment needed <laughs> to play this game, which is probably the reason why I only play it once, once a year. <laughs> and so the thing about it is, is so after many hours have passed, we're, we're in the wee hours of the morning. A winner is finally declared. And do you know what happens next? It all goes back <laughs> into the box. It all goes back in the box. It's over. So although it may feel like the wicked and evildoers are succeeding, God is in control. And once he calls game over, it all goes back in the box. And he will make everything new again. Adam Clark says it this way. He says, the favor of God towards man is not to be known by outward success, nor is his disapproval to be known by the unfortunate circumstances 
in which any person may be found. When, however, we see the wicked flourish, we may take for granted that their abuse of God's mercies will cause him to cut them off as obstructions of the ground. And dying in their sins, they are destroyed forever. And so from the psalmist's story, we see that the song of his praise is not based on a blind faith, but an awareness of God working in his life. Lens number two, the song. Verses one through five read like this. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by a ten-string instrument, a harp, and the melody of a lyre. You thrill me, Lord, with all you've done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. O oh Lord, what great works you do, and how deep are your thoughts. So in these five verses, we see two things. Number one, we receive an invitation to celebrate just as the psalmist did. And second, this is undoubtedly a celebration. You see, just as the psalmist is celebrating, you may be wondering, what, are you, what is he celebrating about? He did, he doesn't really say. What is, what is the cause of all this joy? You see, from the last point of the story, we witnessed that the psalmist was struggling with the fact that he was surrounded by wickedness and evildoers who were doing well or doing better than him, and they were all around him. But it wasn't until he recaptured the truth of God that he was able to lean back into the joy of God's work. You see, just like us, the psalmist had a lot to celebrate. And it's not just about what God is going to do. It's about what God has already done in his life that he was thinking about and meditating and reflecting on. See, the psalmist was responding to being rescued from his recent struggle. The rescuing of his people from Egypt. The establishing of Israel as a nation. The placing of Israel into the promised land. And that his victory was not because of anything that he did, but everything that God did. Secondly, it was a celebration with at least three instruments. It is a, officially a praise party. There is not one man with six arms, but a group coming together in harmony, worshiping and praising God. The individual songs of their hearts were collectively joined and lifted up to God in a worthy praise. The testimony of what God has done in each of their lives was on display through their praise as they praised together. In a time where it can be debated whether or not something is good, the psalmist makes it very clear. It is good to give thanks and praise God the Most High. See, giving God praise isn't a, just a good idea, but it's a good practice. Thanksgiving is a rhythm that must be cultivated, just like how we teach our kids to say please and thank you. They don't do it naturally. 
Some of y'all don't do it naturally. <laughs> it's, only after se- it's only after several years of being consistent that it starts to stick with them, right? Theologian Charles Spurgeon says it this way. He says, begin the day by setting forth the Lord's loving kindness. It was his loving kindness that watched over you when you lay unconscious and defenseless and could not therefore protect yourself. It was his loving kindness that drew wide the curtain of the night that touched your eyelids and awoke you out of that sleep, which was the image of death and bade you to look out upon the rising sun. And when night comes again, let us then sing of God's faithfulness. We have experienced it through another day. Let us praise him for it. Now we see how he has borne with us, pardoned us, preserved us, supplied our needs, and continued to educate us throughout another day. Let us therefore praise and bless his holy name. And so close the day and commit ourselves to sleep again under his divine protection. See, verses 1 through 5 highlight three kinds of praises. And they're this, vertical worship, personal thanksgiving, and corporate praise. Now, vertical worship is the adoration of God for who he is. Personal thanksgiving is thanks and praise of what God has done for me personally in my life. And corporate praise is the collective lifting of our voices to praise God. So number one, vertical worship. This is my song of praise to God for not just what he has done, but more importantly of who he is. When I am personally focusing on just solely praising God, I think of his attributes. And there's so many. But the three that I find myself going to most often are, I think of his goodness, right? All that he is um, and does is worthy of approval. I think of his love. He eternally gives of himself to others. And I think of his mercy. He is good to those in misery, and he is good to those who deserve punishment. Number two, personal thanksgiving. Just how it was natural for the psalmist to sing unto God in gladness for remembering how he was rescued from his story. I thank God for all I've done, for all he's done for me. I thank him for calling me out of darkness when I was a young adult. For his faithfulness towards me when I am unfaithful towards him. For his unfailing love when I commit idolatry. For the years he has given me that cancer could have easily taken away. For my wife and kids that are a blessing to me. Right? The numbers for me to give thanks are many. And if you would stop and think the number of reasons to give thanks would be just as many. Number three is corporate praise. Here's some really great examples of corporate praise 
that we just recently celebrated together as a body, right? Just not too long ago, during the summer in July, Union City awarded Inspired Churches a fireworks booth for us to generate, to one, be in the community, two, generate funds, right? And to do things, we celebrated that opportunity because it's hard to come by. And so when we got it, we were excited, we were celebrated, we praised God, thank God for it, corporately. Another example is when we got the matching grant from um, the Stratum Foundation. And with that, we've been able to do so many things here at Inspire. So from the psalmist song, we see the goodness of thanksgiving. But there is a greater joy coming. Lens number three. The lesson. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. You see, those that are transplanted in God's house are like deep-rooted palm trees and strong cedars that are able to flourish and produce fruit even, even in old age. And all the olders in the room say, yes, ma'am. The psalmist uses several illustrations to convey an important truth. Those who are planted and remain in the presence of God will thrive. They'll continue to make an impact, and they will remain full of life. You see, in this life, the godly are spiritually planted in the presence of God, where they are sanctified, made holy over time. But in eternity, the godly are physically planted in the presence of God where they will tell their story, sing their song, and live forevermore. This truth is especially special to the olders at Inspire Churches because there is no retirement in the kingdom of God, right? There there is not a point where you are no longer useful to God's family. Verse 14 tells us that olders remain vital and green as they spend their time in the presence of God. So as I speak to the olders right now, you continue to grow in wisdom, be rich in grace, happy in experience, mighty in influence, and honorable while you continue to ripen for eternity. The affirmation of this verse reminds us of Psalm 1, which says that the one who delights in God's law is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Does your life resemble the tree in Psalm 1? That is planted by the stream? Or what about the palm 
in verse 12 that is planted in the court of God? Are you, are you flourishing? Are you, strength, are you being strengthened? Are you producing good, good fruit in the midst of evildoers? Are you producing an increase in love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Is that you? So I was kind of determined not to bring up my cancer in this sermon because I feel like it comes up every single time. Um, but as I was sermon prepping, and for, for, so for personal reasons, but if you're curious, ask me. I'll share with you. I promise. It, they're silly, but nonetheless, um, I fight them every single time. But as I was in the process of prepping for this and this section and needing an illustration to make this point really stick, um, cancer pops up. So oh, the subject of it, I should say, to be clear. Um, so I'm in the process of uh, preparing to undergo a new cancer treatment. And the side effects are terrible. And uh, they're just not possible side effects, but they're guaranteed side effects. There, there's no way around it. And the worst possible scenario to these side, effect, side effects result in death. So the worst yeah, worst outcome possible is, is death. You see, verse 12 says, I will flourish and grow strong while I remain in God's presence. But with death potentially at my door, again, how does that ring true in, in my life as I stand here preaching this word? See, it may not look like it, it does because my body struggles to remain strong and my health isn't flourishing per se. But if you had the opportunity to examine my life, you would see someone who has spiritually grown strong over time as I've been planted and remained in the presence of God. And although I care about the fruit of my health, it's been the fruit of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that's flourished in my life. So in closing, if, if we're invited to grow in the court of God's house, we must be planted there because no tree can plant themselves. So the question is still left unanswered. How can we be transplanted to God's house? How can we be placed in God's court and be able to flourish for eternity? And the answer simply is in Christ. In Christ. See, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are uprooted from our current soil. And we are transplanted 
in the court of God's house. And although it is a gift for us, nonetheless, it still costs something. You see, our sinful nature prevents us from being able to plant ourselves in God's courts. Our sin disqualifies us. But out of love, God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect, sinless life that we couldn't live, to die a death that we deserved. And in his resurrection, he offers, he offers us to be transplanted and walk in the newness of life by making the great exchange. You see, Jesus takes what we deserve and gives us what he deserves. When we get... We get Christ's righteousness at Christ's expense. We are gifted this grace when we just simply put our faith in Jesus. And with his righteousness, we are transplanted and will forever produce fruit and remain vital. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Our prayer and hope is that you would be transformed by God's word and live for him. Before you go, would you consider giving a gift today? By faith, we are walking into the new year and continuing to believe in what God is doing in the city through our missional communities and mercy ministries. Visit us at inspiredchurches.com to give a gift and let's see together the great things God will continue to do in the new year.